Good morning. It's good to see this number here for our Sunday morning Bible class. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I believe we finished around verse 15 or 16, if I'm not mistaken. So real quick, we'll review what we went over last week um, in verses 1 through 15. So there was a blind man uh, whom had been blind since birth. He was born blind. And uh, Jesus saw him, approached him, and uh, told him, he made a, he spat upon the ground and made a clay and applied that clay to the blind man's eyes and told him to go uh, wash in the pool of Siloam there in Jerusalem. And when the man did that, when the, the blind man followed these instructions and washed the clay away from his eyes, he could see. Uh, his friends, acquaintances, uh, parents were in amazement. At first they did not think, or some did not think this was the same person who had been a beggar his entire adult life because of his disability he was unaware or unable to make a living for himself so he had to rely upon the charity of others Um, what makes this interesting or one thing that makes it interesting is that this is the only Miracle in which Christ performed uh, making a blind person see that was actually blind from birth. Uh, The second interesting point is that he did this on the Sabbath day, which is beginning to be his M.O., is it not? This is where he operates. If he's going to do something like this, it's not uncommon... uh, for him to do it on the Sabbath day. So, um, with it being on the Sabbath day, it obviously raised some eyebrows and they began to inquire um, about not only the blind man that was now able to see, but also uh, Christ and what had happened and how he could see again. So they brought him before the Pharisees to undergo a, uh, I guess you could call it an investigation, an inquiry as to everything that happened. And that is somewhat, uh, that is where we left off last week, so that's where we'll pick up this morning here in verse 16. Let's back up to uh, verse 15. Uh, then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight he said unto them 
He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and I do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So now we're starting to see uh, somewhat of a division amongst the Pharisees, uh, the people that are, or the group that's trying to, one of the groups, I guess you could say, not the only group, but one of the groups that's trying to bring down Christ uh, with the ultimate goal of uh, healing him. That's, that's their ultimate goal. Um, so we're starting to see some division among them because uh, one group is saying that he is a sinner and not of God because he did this on the Sabbath. Then the other group is saying, uh, well, how could he do it at all? How could he, he even do this miracle if he was not from God? So uh, we're starting to see some, some questioning. They're starting to reason within their own minds of, is he really the Messiah and sent from God? <clears throat> uh, by the way, um, I guess in verse 15 where it talks about the, uh, the Sabbath or verse 14, uh, there was an ancient rabbi which just has no scriptural uh, reference. This is just something I read. Uh, but a, an ancient rabbi, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but uh, we read that the, uh, the blind man thought that Christ was a prophet. That's why he referred to Christ as was a, a prophet that was sent from God. But an ancient rabbi was quoted that a prophet could suspend the Sabbath rules for sufficient reasons. So you had the fact that he thought he was a prophet and that therefore the rules set by the, um, the Torah, the the basically the constitution of the Jews was invalid because he was indeed a prophet. So, um, which is nowhere, really isn't mentioned by the Pharisees, probably for good reason. Uh, they were hoping that uh, nobody would, would know that. Verse 17, They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes and he said he is a prophet? But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So they didn't believe this man. And they didn't believe, number one, they didn't believe he was blind. Number two, they didn't believe he was blind from birth. So they actually brought his parents into the trial or investigation to consult with them. So in verse 9, And they asked them, his parents, saying, Is this your son 
who ye say was born blind, how then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. So now we have confirmation from his birth parents that he was blind, indeed he was blind, and he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. So basically, his parents, uh, with, with good reason, they're somewhat intimidated and maybe um, a little scared of all this, you know, one minute they're just living their normal lives, and the next minute they're brought before this, uh, the Pharisees, and you know, and they know they obviously know the consequences of something like this. So they're they're you know with good reason they're scared, little intimidated and flustered, because all this has come on all of a sudden. So they're not really sure. What to say, what to do, um, and it's almost like they're passing the buck. They're going to use their son as a scapegoat. So they're saying, "Look, you know, we—he was blind from birth. We can confirm that. How it happened, we don't know. Who did it, we don't know. And he's a man." He's a grown boy, like we say. He's a grown boy. He can tell you. We don't have to speak for him. So in verse 22, uh, these words spake his parents because they feared, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. If this did uh, happen in today's time in a criminal trial or civil trial, anything like that, it would lead to uh, judgment of mistrial, would it not? Because it's almost like they've already intimidated the witnesses and biased the witnesses. Because they already know if anybody calls him Christ, that they're going to be um, um, excommunicated, I guess you could say, from the church. And um, that was a big deal back then, uh, if you were a Jew. Uh, to be put out of the synagogue was to be deprived of the privilege of worship, excluded from the fellowship of the congregation, and to be regarded as a heathen. Now, obviously, you, I, I don't know the details of it. If anybody does know the details, please speak up. But, uh, you know, there's a time limit that you are to be put out of the synagogue. You know, it could be a few weeks, months, years, or permanently, I guess. Uh, and I guess it would depend on the... Uh, seriousness of the offense. So, Larry, do you know anything about that? Or um, so, you know. Here, here we are. That uh, they brought his parents 
as well as this blind man before him trying to intimidate him uh, and bias him or, or you know, produce that bias and let them know if anybody declares and confesses that this man was Christ that performed this miracle that he would be put out of the synagogue. The blind man did not declare him to be Christ. He simply, because he did not know who it was. Keep in mind, he had not even seen Jesus at this point. Because he left to go wash the clay from his eyes and Christ went his own way. So at this point, he had never even seen Christ. He had just heard him, heard his instructions. So, uh, <clears throat> at this point, he had not called him the Christ, just a prophet. That's, all, that's what he thought. That was his line of thinking. So, um, verse 23, once again, his parents said, uh, look, he's of age, ask him, ask him. Then called, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that, whereas I was blind, now I see. Right there in verse 24 where they... Uh, where it says, the Pharisees say, give God the praise. Does anybody have a version that says something different? Give God the glory. What this is, is basically a phrase that uh, they're using that, uh, going back to our court systems in modern times and today times, basically like, swearing someone in with the Bible and asking them, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? That's basically what, the, what they're saying here uh, when they say, give God the praise. Uh, and then he answered, answered them uh, in regards to whether uh, this man is a sinner. He's, he said, I don't know him. I do not know this man. Um, so I can't tell you whether or not he is a sinner. But the one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I can see. Then said they to him again. They're relentless, aren't they? They're just hammering him. Then said they to him again, What did he what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also believe his disciples? So now the blind man's getting aggravated. He is he's got them figured out. They they know what he's doing, or he knows what they're doing. He's like, look, I've already told you three times. You're not going to believe me 
If I tell you again, so what does it matter? Are you, are you asking me these questions because you want to be a follower? Do you want to be a follower of Christ? Is that why you're questioning me this much and not believing what I'm trying to tell you? This made them mad, didn't it? This made them mad. So in verse 28, they then... Uh, then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. So, um, now everybody's mad. The blind man, he's mad, and the Pharisees, they're getting aggravated because he's starting to get sarcastic with them. And uh, so, it's starting to blow up here. Things aren't going the way that the Pharisees had hoped they would go. And it kind of makes me think and wonder exactly what his parents are doing at this point. Watching this unfold and watching their son, who was blind his whole life, stand there and give it... I mean, he's really giving it back to the Pharisees. And keep in mind, we keep in mind who the Pharisees are. They... Um, they really think they are the all to end all, I guess, when it comes to Scripture and the Jewish law. They're basically like congressmen, I guess you could say, or lawyers who think they, uh, they know it all and, and that we the people... Uh, don't know as much as they do when it comes to interpretation of the law. And I like to think of it as like, you know, we Congress has all these committees, uh, uh, like the Judicial Committee uh, that was overseeing uh, the uh, impeachment process and all that, and they had they call called all these witnesses and you had this you know if you've you seen it on the news you had um, uh, the committee itself Jerry Nadler's the committee chair and then you got all these members both Republican and Democrat and they're sitting up there and they bring their witnesses you know down front and they ask them questions and they're supposed to answer that's that's the you know that's what I have in my head here as far as and and a lot of times just like in the uh, I'm not trying to get political here but just like in the impeachment hearings uh, they had in mind what they wanted to hear and the end result that they wanted to get to so that's almost what this reminds me of. Um, so let's verse 29 
and uh, they're basically saying at the end there that uh, we don't know where this man came from so they're saying that he you know kind of uh, refuting his claim that this man is a prophet uh, they're saying look we don't know where he came from and um, so the blind man in verse 30 is saying what happened here is a marvelous thing in other words it truly was a miracle at the hands of God and uh, it really doesn't matter if you know where he came from or not does it? The only thing that really matters is that he performed this miracle. Absolutely. It's all about their egos, wasn't it? Yes. They had they had these huge egos. Like I said, they thought they knew it all and that everybody should just basically agree with everything they say. And this man didn't. He stood his ground. Um, we don't know who this man is as far as his name. It's never mentioned or even what happened to him after this. But for some reason, I've got it in my head that he went on to do great things for the church. I just can't help believe that he did not do good things. So, and that's just my opinion. You know, we have no proof, but I just can't help but think that. Verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was not heard of or heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So the blind man uh, is now saying, God does not hear sinners. You have called this man a sinner and or accused him of being a sinner. And God does not hear sinners. So if he was a sinner, how could he have performed this miracle through the powers, obviously, that God granted him? And he also goes on to say in verse 32 that since the beginning of time, since the world began, has no man ever been made to see again that was blind from birth. So this is something that has never happened since the beginning of time. And he's trying to say, look, if he's not a sinner, or if he is a sinner, then how is he able to do this? The Pharisees have had enough now. 
they're done with him. So in verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast, thou wast altogether born in sins, and thou, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. So now, we're going back to the ego, aren't we? Egos. Who do you think you are to try and teach us or tell us what to believe? Then they they attack him personally. You were born in sin. You were born a sinner. Going back to our discussion last week of uh, original sin. In other words, being born in sin. Uh, some people refer to it as ancestral sin that a lot of religions, a lot of denominations uh, uh, teach in various forms um, that babies uh, are born with sin, that they are inherited, that they have inherited from Adam. Hence the name original sin. So, um, so they were they were saying that this man, and even at the beginning of uh, this chapter, uh, if you remember from last week, that they were questioning uh, his parents as well. Was it his parents that sinned that caused him to be blind from birth? Uh, but now they're just saying, you know. You were born a sinner, and that's why you're blind. Which, I don't know how, you know, I guess I need to do more study in, in that, the concept of original sin, but I think Larry brought it up as a point last week. If he was, a, if he was born a sinner and made blind, how come everybody else is not born not necessarily blind, but born with something, you know, what differentiated certain people from others when they're saying they were born with sin, if I'm making sense there. Why not everybody? So, um, I, don't, I don't really know the answer to that. But that's a good point, you know, why everybody doesn't suffer some type of uh, ailment or punishment for that original sin. I don't know how they um, would answer that question, especially with Scripture. I don't. I don't really know. So, but the Pharisees they they've gotten they've become very angry and uh, whatnot. Attacked this man personally, saying he was a born with sin and that's why he was blind and then they're also aggravated that he's trying to teach them and basically tell them they're wrong because they say who does who and um, and dost thou teach us I mean that's a really really egotistical comment who do you think you are trying to teach us what's right or wrong or, you know. So, um, and then at the very end of 
34, they cast him out. So when you read that, um, anybody got a different word other than cast, cast out? So when you... Excommunicated. So when you hear that, let's just say, um, go with the King James Version, uh, when you hear the phrase, and they cast him out. So does that mean they say, okay, you're free to go, please leave. Is that what that means? No, no. This was a... um, This was forceful. Um, It was not uh, kind of on his own accord, if you will. Uh, They forcibly expelled him. Uh, I, I just pictured that, you know, guards or if you want to call them guards, just you know, uh, figures of authority would took him and led him out and kind of just threw him out. You know, this was not a peaceful exit, if you will. It was a forcible exit. Um, and then I'd like to know what, after he left, kind of what kind of discussion they had among themselves. One can only guess. Um, They were obviously all flustered about what had just transpired. Uh, And maybe they were starting to feel that this thing was starting to get a little out of control. You think? They were getting some division. Some of the Pharisees themselves were starting to think about what was going on, uh, who, who this man Jesus was. Uh, and it blows my mind that he's already performed these miracles and for them not to be able to see and that's kind of a pun on this story but how can you not see what is happening and who this man really is absolutely Right. Good point. And that, that, that is Satan's deception. He probably would have left an example why they cast him out. Because some did see that, yes, he's, he got a point there. Mm-hmm. Okay, beginning in verse 35, so he's been removed from whatever, the hall or, you know, if you want to call it the courthouse or or whatever, wherever he was being interrogated uh, by the Pharisees. After he had left there, uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Now, we have no time frame on this. We don't know what the time frame is. Um, It's quite possible it didn't take very long because I would imagine there was a lot of talk going on, 
amongst the Jews there in Jerusalem about what had just happened. So, you know, I can't prove that, but just my thinking is that it didn't take very long for this word to spread. Uh, but how long it took, we, we really don't know. But all we do know is that uh, word did get around to Jesus about what had happened. So uh, in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? So um, Jesus heard that they cast him out and obviously heard, I'm sure that's not the only thing he heard, that he was cast out. I'm sure he heard about the whole ordeal of what happened how he was defending Jesus and stood his ground and was very courageous in doing such in front of the, the Pharisees. So Jesus went out and he found this man. And keep in mind, he still doesn't know what Jesus looks like. He's never seen him before. So you've got a, quote-unquote, a strange man walking up to you that you've never seen before and just ask him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Do you believe? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Alright. We've got to make a clarification here because it's very important. Uh, and, and before I do, does anybody with another version have something that says other than Lord right there? Who is he, Lord? Okay, Lord in this context, in this verse right here does not mean Lord, does not mean God, Jesus, anything like that. It's not a religious reference. It's simply a reference of uh, respect. Uh, like saying, like a judge would be called your honor. Or, you know, back in the day, uh, royalty would be, you know, your majesty. Um, something like that. That's what he means by here, Lord. Because, like I said, he doesn't know who this man is, so why would he refer to him as God or as Jesus? So he's just saying, who is this, sir, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So now Christ reveals, I'm the one that performed the miracle and made you see. So this is where it all starts coming together, and the, the, the blind man finally knows who performed this miracle on him and made him able to see. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Lord, in this context now, means something of reverence as far as religious. He now knows that who Jesus is and is referring to him as the Lord, the Lord and God. So that's, that's also very important to keep in mind here. He's saying, uh, Lord, yes, I do believe. I believe in you. 
and he worshipped him. And then in verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come to into this world that they which see not might see and they and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? So it sounds like we've got another, we, we still got a group of Pharisees around him. You know, I, I can't explain this, I don't know. Larry, what do you think? Were they just following, possibly following the blind man? Or that were they following Jesus? Or, was, or were they just happened to be in a crowd? You know, we don't know. All we do know is that there were uh, Pharisees around him and obviously listening to what Christ said to, to him. Uh, because they said, uh, when Jesus said, um, they which might see might be made blind. And so they want to know, are you referring to us, the Pharisees? They, they were getting kind of um, sarcastic. They, you know, are we blind? Is that what you're trying to say? Are you trying to say that we are blind? Um but going back to 39, uh, where he says, uh, they which see not might see. So this is a, not an actual, this, he's referring to scripture and who he is. And those who think they know, they are actually blind. Does that make sense? Um, and so um, but anyway to close this chapter out in verse 41 he answers the Pharisees this is what he's doing he's answering the Pharisees back and says if ye were blind ye should have no sin but now ye say we see therefore your sin remaineth so um He's basically saying, if you said that you didn't know, um, I don't know, this is hard for me. Can I get some help, Larry? It's hard for me to explain exactly what he means here other than um, if you, when he says, um, if you say we see, in other words, see in, in, in this context is saying, if you say that we know, or that you know what's, you know, basically the scripture and, and, and what they're doing as far as following the law of Moses and the Old Testament, if, you, if you're sitting there saying you know, then you're blind and you're in sin. So there's a lot of denominations and religions or let's just stick with denominations that say they know the Bible and they know what to do to get to heaven, but they're not doing it. They're blind. They, they don't see.
truth. Absolutely. Okay. Right, spiritual blindness. And that will bring chapter 9 to a close and we'll pick up, I think Mark will start on chapter 10 next week.